I am happy to report June 16th, I will be returning to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You couldn't resist. Could <laughs> Literally, as soon as I, I saw the tweet from Enjoy on Twitter, I was on the bus ride home from work. And like the second I walked in the door, I was like, okay, we got to go back to Pittsburgh in June. <laughs> <laughs> and they know what they have because they don't normally announce matches this far out in advance either, right? No, they don't. But with, with Joshi Talent, I think that they, they get a sense of there's there's a tour, right? Like Mia's here. She's going to be here in the States for a certain amount of time. So they get a date locked down because of it. I actually I have a feeling that they might have been a little earlier in the spring if it weren't for the fact that they were getting this talent. Also, I think that they wanted to do a June event. Yeah, it's Father's Day weekend. Miyu Yamashita wrestling in Mr. Smalls against Raylan is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> my baby, my baby is coming. Edie versus Sue Young. I assumed <laughs> Sue Young had retired when she had the baby because haven't, we haven't heard anything. She hasn't been back in Impact yet or anything. So this is crazy that this is like, I'm checking cage match now, but I want to say this is like her first match announced back. No, she's been doing, she's been doing dates here and there. Okay, but she hasn't returned to Impact Television. It's interesting. I know. I don't know if it's like they the taping ha- didn't work for her schedule or like maybe they don't. Maybe there's not much for her to do right now. I don't. I don't know. I I feel like they'll they'll never ties with her because she's great in Impact. But like, yeah, I don't. But she has been working other dates because I was ju- I like literally just a week ago had this conversation with somebody else about Sue Young uh, after the Impact pay per view. I just couldn't see Sue anywhere else. I know. We need. Well, I, <laughs> I've seen her in like. She like is Impact, you know. Yeah, I've seen her in indie context, but like she's too young. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying like indies. I'm saying like an AEW. Or exactly. Or she like crawls out from her impact home to like mm. appear and haunt the indies, and then returns mm. to her like realm. Like they mm-hmm. have a realm. She has a realm. The last time she was on Impact TV, though, who was she? I think she might have been HR woman Susan. No, I think she was back to being Sue Young before she. Yeah, yeah, back. I think she she finally did a um the move back to Sue mm-hmm. Young, like, and then maybe went to the realm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that's the thing. There's always the realm, so like they, she can be there for however long, and then they just bring her back. It's my favorite thing about it. Oh my god, I love her so much. Yeah, I mean, right right now you've got James Mitchell managing the hacks against the trio of death dolls. So you could easily slot her in somewhere in there on one of those sides. Yes. Or you could bring her back separately and just do uh, her versus Masha. I mean, all all things, all things I would uh, enjoy and be supportive of. I just, you should have heard me when they made that announcement, Harley. Like, I don't even know what came out of my mouth. It's like, eh. <laughs> me yeah a couple times um one really no and not in this environment and like i was just getting to know her when i saw her live um, i saw her at one of the stand styles intergender bonanzas and she was in the main event against him and it was one of my like it was a it was a goofy ass match but it was a lot of fun and it was incredible to see her in this like Really weirdly low ceilinged ballroom, brightly lit. Like I don't know, there was all kinds of crazy spots for it. But like I love Sue Young. I and ever since that moment, I was like, I don't know who this woman is, or I don't know exactly who she is, but I'm going to follow her to the end of the world. So that was very 
exciting. Yeah, Mew is also really exciting. Like, I do not want to diminish that either. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, that match is going to be so, so good. But uh, I, for whatever reason, I just, that Sue Young, like, uh, I'm so excited. You know who will not be there, though, Don? I just hmm. was told my favorite, our fave, the one and only Hot Ref will not be at that show. Oh, no. Why not? I don't know. He said, he didn't give me a reason why, but he said, yeah, I was going to see what you were up to after the show, but I'm not going to be there in June. Oh. I know. <laughs> It'll be mid-ref only. Mid-ref only. Those two matches announced, and then a third one, the production versus Burball. Yes, which that's, I, that's my match. I was going to say, I, I feel like Don, Don, that's Don's excitement that. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. So, like, my wife watches, like, will go to some wrestling shows with me and watches, like, a little bit of, like, uh here and there but very very sporadically so there's not a ton of wrestlers that like she really knows so like i can say the name she can picture them in her head right but vade and speedball are two of them because three years ago on this show for a valentine's day special me and her interviewed vade and speedball about long distance dating for a valentine's day special so like and then like a week later they happened to be in toronto for a smash wrestling show and got to meet them in person there so yeah, that's going to be really cool, too, the fact that we get to see them team together now in person. Because when we interviewed them at the time, and when we did the uh, Living Legend episode on Veda last year, we acknowledged that they had never teamed together in America at that time. I think they have since. They did recently. Yeah. But mm-hmm. not. But still, like, for the first time this year. Yeah, I mean, and, and not at Enjoy. And Enjoy has been, like, a home for Veda, and Veda doesn't even get to... I mean, she they have, like in the past but recent shows I and mean, when was the last time veda wrestled on an enjoy show it's been a it's been a minute they've been mailing um, her company, so. yeah i don't know i don't i know she wrestled um on night moves i don't i think she wrestled one of the mr small shows but i don't remember my one. stats say veda's wrestled t- two matches for enjoy yes i think it was night moves and one of the shows before i don't think that they've been on any of the mr small shows Probably the first Battle Royal, like the first Enjoy Cup. And then teaming with Erica Lee, PB Smooth, and Rob Kiljoy in an eight-person take. Yeah, at it, at Night Moves, I think. But yeah, but not teaming with the Speedball. Speedball. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a fun show. I'm so glad that you guys are going to come back to town for it. Um, and you'll get considerably better weather. So, and you'll be here. <laughs> yeah, we're going to come in on the Friday. We're going to, uh, so that we're not, like, like we learning from our mistakes. Last time we thought it would take less time to get into the city than it did. By the time we got to our hotel, we had, like, 45 minutes to, like, drop our stuff off and race to the venue. This time we're coming in a day early, so we've got all day Saturday before the show to hang out, to chill, and... Uh, now that I know how chaotic and packed and sold out every Mr. Small show is, we're going to plan better. And we're going to find a way to really spotlight this show nicely on this podcast and talk to some people, make some phone calls, get some in-person interviews that day. Yeah, absolutely. I will be 100% all the way. We'll find a nook. We'll uh, we'll talk to the, the people in charge. I said, and-
every couple weeks It's like the song is on repeat I kinda wish you to see That you don't wanna miss me speak Cause I am thinking skeleton And my blood is glittery sure there will be uh, this next time around, especially since it'll be Pride Month and the card is stacked. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So we will we will uh, plan appropriately, and hopefully my kid won't puke again. All right. This is Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. My name is Harley Vasquez. I'm Anne Fear. I'm Don Hollowa. Don. What's going on, Don? <laughs> We are here this week to talk about All Elite Wrestling's 2023 pay-per-view revolution. We had one women's match on the card, so we'll talk about that. And if we have time left over, we'll talk about uh, the dozens of other women in the company and what's up with them. How come they're not around? What are they doing? Uh, uh, Nana Rose uh, hasn't been on TV at all this year, Like not even for like an interview or a squash match. I mean, like, I've heard, like, people say, like, like their version of, like, war games, maybe they're setting up for something like that with the women, with the two factions or something like that. Like, hopefully, but I don't know. I don't have trust in their women's booking too much. Yeah, I mean, it's not if, – if that's what they're building to, they're going to need to build a little bit more because, um, as we saw from the turn on Sunday night, like, now – so Soraya and Tony were a faction of two. Now, essentially, they'll be a faction of three. We'll get into that. Um, Jamie and Britt and Rebel, who doesn't really wrestle, um, are their own faction. But, like, we haven't really had anyone else that much involved. I guess Sky has been involved a little bit here on the sidelines. You could rope there. Willow in because her and Ruby teamed together a couple of times. But it feels like she's off in ROH land now. I kind of feel like she is in our, the ROH world universe, the ROH universe now. Um, yeah, I could see maybe like Sky or or Nyla joining in. Yeah, I just, I I would love that. But like, you know, when this happens in, I've got to give WWE some credit here, specifically NXT too. When this happens over there, they have done a lot of building so that there are like five person, like at least five connected people. And right now we don't, have that on either side um and they're going to need to do a lot of work to be able to make those connections more and more credible and it's a tremendous moment to do that because they do have these they do have a binary split up now they do have like us they have defined sides but they need to add some women to these sides for it to be to feel like a connected women's roster event which it could be but i i again i'm with you don i don't i don't wholly trust them to follow through Blood and Guts seems like the destination, but let's talk about the pay-per-view first before we get to uh, speculation on the future. It was Jamie Hayter defending the AEW Women's Championship in a 308 dance against Soraya and Ruby Soho. Soraya had Tony Storm at ringside. Jamie had Britt Baker at ringside. Ruby had nobody, but that's okay. Ruby hasn't really had a defined counterpart 
um, in the women's division since um, briefly teaming with Willow. Um, for a while, she was primarily doing stuff with the men's division because she was part of the like Eddie Kingston and Santana Ortiz and all that, like grouping against the um, Jericho Appreciation Society. But like recently, she's just been kind of on her own, which is a fine, perfectly cool thing for her to do and they've been doing an interesting story with ruby being in this in-between zone where like no one knew where her loyalties were gonna fall um so it made sense for her to come alone but yeah she hasn't really had another connection within the women's division since she tagged with some people earlier in her run yeah i guess that's meant to be the main angle going into this match is where does ruby whose side is ruby going to choose even after the match Excalibur prematurely said she's finally chosen a side so that seemed to be like what they wanted us to take away as the main talking point here was the titles on the line but also is the ambiguity of like is Ruby going to fly solo is she with this group or that group what's going on here she chose team WWE we saw post match but yeah so the match itself why Don? Why did we get, um, say, Soraya in the match as opposed to Tony Storm? Is it just because this pay-per-view was filled with WWE people too? We got Christian returning in a big match. We got Jericho in a match. We got Danielson in the main event for 60 minutes. Was that all it was? Like Soraya has more cachet than Tony, and so for pay-per-view, that's what I would think. Like she's more people know who she is. You know what I mean? If, if there's some people that like if they see she's on the pay-per-view they might be more inclined to buy it where i'm not sure if tony storm really has that dedicated of a fan base yeah and i thought there have been criticisms of surya as late in like her last couple of matches of uh you know not uh either ring rust or not being able to keep up with the young girlies anymore so i thought a three-way format helped because it kept this match very brisk it was a, it was exactly 10 minutes long but it didn't slow down at any point really it did follow the traditional three-way formula of like these two wrestle while this person sells a clothesline for three minutes and then they come in and this person sells a ddt for five minutes i thought it was a really good match though i really yeah. enjoyed it I thought it was really well paced, and I actually do think that the that the uh, counterpart of styles in this match were were well suited to one another. Um, there were some really like fun little spots. The the like extended sequence of the three like kicking and punching and slapping and et cetera, and like in different combinations. And um, I actually really enjoyed that. I thought it was a nice. I, I like when those moments happen in three way matches because I don't like when there's one person like sideline for five minutes because of a close line. Um, I really, really enjoyed the like knee level hurricane Rana that Ruby did on to Hater, I think, where it was like spiking her off the mat, but like, so like done, done a hurricane Rana, but from her knees, what a cool move. I have not seen her do this. I must've, I maybe have missed it, but like, that is a really cool spot. A really good move. Women at ringside got involved a little bit. Uh, Tony jumped up on the apron at one point to try to get a, a distraction, got bumped off. Then Britt jumped up on the apron to prevent Soraya from stealing the pin, I believe it was. Or, like, prevent, distract the ref so Soraya couldn't get, like, a cheap a cheap win. It was fun to see. It's been really fun to see Britt in, like, full, like, in, in full support mode. Like, 
when they first made Jamie a champion, there was all kinds of speculations of like, okay, so what is this going to do to Brett and Jamie? Like, is but they really have never turned these women against each other. Not even with tensions prior in their in their like little like three person faction when Britt was still champion. So it's been really kind of cool to see that like that friendship become like really stabilized and Britt becoming this like very big cheerleader and defender for Jamie. Um, you don't see that extended in women's wrestling a whole lot. I mean. WWE likes to follow the model where like friends will be friends for like two months and then boom, turn betrayed. This has been more solidified and longer running. And I, I like that. I actually really do think that that, that works and has made this storyline more powerful because of it. And I think it's cool because it gives Brit some time to like heal because mm-hmm. he hasn't really had much time off. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it does give her time to heal, but she's still on TV, you know? Yeah, and she's I mean, she's gotten so good at at promos at being at being Britt Baker, even when she is ostensibly now the face, she's still Britt Baker, so like she's not a wholesome baby face like, you know, NXT Bailey, but she is like she is the good guy here even in Britt Baker mode, which is still gonna come with a you know, a great deal of attitude. I like that. I'm I'm all about being fun with complicated and like snarky faces. Um, and Britt definitely has like earned that because her character is so well established. And like, I don't know if, I mean, they haven't really let Jamie talk that much. So I don't know if she's great on the mic, but I mean, you can't have too much of a better mouthpiece than Britt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be more dead, more silent and deadly than that loud, um, it, it's always good to have a good mouthpiece on your side. The, it, the dynamic has tried and true in wrestling, and it, it works here. So Jamie ends up pinning Ruby with a crucifix pin while Soraya is preoccupied. Jamie retains 10 minutes. Was the shortest match of the night, including the buy-in, if uh, that's relevant to anybody's interests. And then post-match, everything breaks down. Uh, Tony jumps in the ring. She's stomping away at Jamie. Britt tries to make the save, but she falls. The two baby faces are getting beat up by the two heels. Ruby's in the corner watching. And we get the classic. She grabs the heels, tosses them through the ropes. She Excalibur proclaims she's finally chosen a side. And then she turns around and betrays them and lays out Britt and Jamie. And Ruby's now part of the bad guy squad and as if like the spray painting nwo stuff isn't enough we get this moment where tony like shoves down a cameraman at ringside and smashes his camera but it has nothing to do with anything like she doesn't like hijack the camera to like film this like segment herself she just shoves him down bounces the camera on the ground one time, and then they go back to the spray paint stuff. It was very, yeah, it felt too, all this feels too NWO light for me. Or like, they're trying to be like the Riot Squad. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know, I was getting flashes of the Allure slash Beautiful People, Charlie, yeah. or Harley. I was getting like Allure, Beautiful People flashes based yeah. on our trauma. But the spray Harley. painting, NWO was always attacking people, spray painting NWO on them with spray paint, and the whole thing with NWO was, oh, they're the outsiders, they're the invaders from WWE, this former WWE talent coming into our company and running roughshod on the division. And that's that's where we are now, right? Because we've got this trio and they won't they won't say those words on TV. But now that Ruby is aligned with Soraya and 
Tony Storm, we've got a trio of WWE women versus two women who have never been in WWE. I, again, I like this. I like this story. I think it's cool to play with like you know real world circumstances. I think it's cool to play with the idea that like you know these women come from another major company and that's going to give them a chip on their shoulder versus those who are and versus the chip on the shoulder that is of those people who've been there since the beginning, et cetera. Like, and, and Jamie Hayter, like people tend to forget, but Jamie Hayter has been in AEW in one way or another since the beginning, because she was on the like third show they ever did. So like Jamie does have her bona fides as far as having been there from the, from very early days. And I, I guess I'm interested in what happens next because I want to know who ends up, who else ends up being involved. Um, I, I think this is are compelling people. I, I like that they're going to continue doing something with Ruby um, because for so long they really weren't doing that much. I know she was injured, et cetera, but like it just, there are puzzle pieces that are missing here that need to be filled in by other roster members. And I'm curious who those people are going to end up being. I mean, Sheeta is a good person to throw into this. If Sheeta is around, Nyla is an excellent chaotic force to be reckoned with here. I mean, Nyla early days, Come on, stay, like a, one of the absolute um, bearers of this brand from the very beginning. So there are options. I just need I need the like face side now. I need the established side, the AEW like grown side to like grow. Er, okay. <laughs> How cool would it be if um, Mandy Rose came in and just like started like talking some like huge like promo like trash in AEW and all the AEW people and stuff. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> After, that would be so hard for me to swallow considering the raw deal. <laughs> it would be such a hard thing for me to swallow from Mandy Rose considering the raw deal that she got from from, yeah. from WWE. It's like, oh, you're going to come in here and badmouth another company who will actually hire you versus the company that fired you because of your side business. Like, mm-hmm. to me, that would be hard. Like, I'm, I'm usually okay to follow with kayfabe, but for me, that would be a little hard to, like hard to grapple with well the consensus the consensus seems to be that we're heading to blood and guts the first ever women's blood and guts the last two have taken place in may and june so if we think of the same time frame then we've got two to three months probably to build to that show and year one it was two five-man teams year two is two six-man teams i would guess we get two five-woman teams this time around? If you're doing uh, Blood and Guts or War Games or whatever, you can't do it with less than five. NXT uh, often does like three trios. But I like the I like the five on five, personally. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's about what your brand has established. And the brand that has established that Blood and Guts means like five or six people on either side. That would require a fair amount of women involved. So I, I don't know. Is that is that too much for them to bear? Is that, for, is that too many women on the screen at once? So if the one team is... I was just going to say, if the one team is like Team Homegrown, we know Britt and Jamie, Sheeta makes way too much sense to not be involved in that. It's got to be Sheeta as one of the three extra partners. Nyla Rose is a strong candidate, being a former champion, being around since day one. Riho recently returned to TV, has just picked up two singles wins on TV, including a win over Tony. Not mm-hmm. going to throw Jade in there? No, because Jade feels like the new the new Cody, where she exists in her own universe. 
<laughs> She's not part they, of this conversation. They literally never, ever reference that belt unless it is specifically Jade's story. Like, because it would make sense for any of these women to say, well, okay, I tried for this title, didn't get it. I'm going to go for another title because I'm still a person who is in the title picture. But that doesn't, that's not how they play this. There's like, and that's, that's really typical TV title type things. Like they do the same thing with the TNT title, but like, it is very funny how like there is the women's roster and then there's Jade and whoever they're pitting against Jade at that, in that given moment. She doesn't even really have baddies anymore, does she? Just Layla? Just, yeah, cause like all the other ones There's are the gone. women's division and then there's the Jade division. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Jade. And the the TBS championship that she holds indefinitely until they can, I don't know. Until Statlander gets healthy. Do until Statlander gets healthy and they want to put the belt on her. I. Uh... Okay, so yeah, for the for the AEW side, we've got options for sure. We've got Sheeta, we've got Riho, we've got Nyla Rose, Thunder Rosa would make a ton of sense as well. And there's a lot of fun storytelling there they can do with like. How are Thunder Rosa and Sheeta going to work with Britt and Jamie on the same team? Can they really bury those grudges? Can they really come together as one unit to fend off these uh, sports entertainers? That would be really cool, actually. If that were to happen, I would really enjoy getting some form of like redemption arc between Britt and Thunder Rosa. Because I do think that story, how whatever is real and whatever is kayfabe, that story kind of soured things a little bit for a brief amount of time. Um, making it feel like there was a, I don't know. I'd love to see some form of redemption and um, retribution for Thunder Rosa because I feel like she just got kind of a raw deal at the end of her championship. It did kind of sour me. Honestly, it did kind of sour me on Thunder Rosa a little bit, and I don't know if that's fair. I don't think it's fair. I think she got done wrong in some way or another. I think this was a storyline that didn't go where it was supposed to go, and... Then they switched gears and left her way late on the side looking like a jerk. And it's like, I don't think that's fair. They need to do right by her. At the very least, give her something to do before they give her something official to do. Maybe some official um, resolution before, you know, maybe not renewing contracts. It just never sat right with me. It still doesn't. It's this hanging thing. Now on the heel side, Soraya, Tony, Ruby... They need another pair of bodies, presumably ex-WWE superstars. <laughs> I like your idea, Donna. I like the, having the Bellas. <laughs> we, they were backstage at Revolution. There oh, really? Yeah, what? They, yeah, they were both well, backstage. I saw photos of them with uh, Paige and with their babies, probably because, uh, you know, Daniel Sandler was wrestling in the main event for 60 minutes. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, one of them is married to the... To, you know, Brian Dickerson, but, um, but still. But Nikki was very vocal on podcasts and Twitter a month, uh, two months ago when the women were barely featured on the Raw 30th anniversary special and like no, Medusa was the only legend we brought back and she was just in like a two second comedy skit backstage. Nikki was very vocal about like, oh, this is how WWE treats the women. This is what they care about. This is whatever. So it wouldn't be the shocker of all shockers if she decided to like stick it to them by doing a one-off for AEW or something just to just to stick it to them. I think yeah. it would be so off-brand for AEW that the crowd would hate it so much that it would totally work. 
That's the other thing. The Bella Twins showing up on Dynamite or something, the heat that they would get would be perfect for this kind of match. Yeah, that that would make a lot of sense. If that was any way reasonable to expect, that that makes complete booking sense. That's fantasy booking. The more realistic options might be someone like Serena Deeb, someone like Athena, if they're willing to you know, have the ROH women's champion involved in a match like this. She'd make a lot of sense. She's a heel right now. She's well-known from WWE. Maybe they could elevate Ty Mello in a month or two, you know, make her feel important enough to be included in something like this. Plus, yeah. Barico Appreciation Society sports entertainers. So you could kind of bring that over to that group, too. God, yeah, that is true. I mean, like, if they are just needing two more people, Ty and Anna J. Like, Anna doesn't have any, like, credible connection to outside of AEW. She really is an AEW homegrown talent. But, like, if she is, re- if in part of being part of Jericho Appreciation Society, she has rejected the, like, term wrestler, that, yeah, that makes her at least spiritually right to be with, like, Soraya's group. If we do get women's blood and guts this spring-summer, is that an indicator that we're making progress, that things are turning a corner for the women's division, that uh, the women in AW are going to be treated in more prominent spots, et cetera, et cetera, going forward. Because as we said, nine matches on this show, only one women's match. Revolution 2020 and Revolution 2021 also had nine matches on each of those cards. And two of those matches were women's matches both years. I don't, I don't, they did the pre-show completely different than they had before. Um, now I love anytime I get RJ City on my TV, so I will not complain about that. But, um, you know, I mean, like all the previous pay-per-views, they had like three pre-show matches. And I would assume if they did that this time, that's where they would have fit Jade in. But, um, yeah, I don't, even if they do the, um, the blood and gods, I still don't have too much confidence in them. Yeah, I don't. I mean, blood and guts would be great. I, so I would absolutely would love to see that as a sea change. But also, I would also settle for two matches on Dynamite every week. I would settle for the guarantee that the future pay per views are not going to have one women's match amongst nine matches amongst several hours of wrestling. I, I don't. I don't need big flashy events. I just need consistency and they don't do it. They don't do it at all. And that's the thing. So last year at Revolution, we had three women's matches, but that was three on a 12 match card. So that's like one, four, that's whatever. So the fact that we got one out of nine this year, that's basically, yeah, that's not basically it is. That's one out of nine. That's less than two out of four. That's the big thing for me is we had nine matches in 2021. We had nine matches in 2020. In those years, they were able to get two women's on the card. We had Rose versus Statlander. We had Britt and Maki Ito against Riho and Rosa. So it's just it's it's just a clear of like what your priorities are, right? Our priorities are like finding a way to get Jeff Jarrett on the card, finding a way to get Chris Jericho yet another match. But you know, Jade, whatever, like she'll have a squash match next week. Leah Hirsch will return, she'll wrestle her, and we're supposed to believe that she'll win the, the title, or she'll defend against 
Robin Renegade on Rampage in a three-minute match with commercial break. I mean, they want to make Jade a star. I mean, that's what they've been trying to do. So, I mean, if you want her to be this huge homegrown star, then I would think you would want her on all of your pay-per-views. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. And there's not there's not a clear reason why she hasn't been like there was no medical reason as far as I can tell. They said they chalked it up to just time limitations. I mean, when you guarantee a 60 minute Iron Man match on your pay-per-view, that does limit things to some degree because you have a number of title defenses that have to happen. You have some storyline resolutions that can only really happen at a pay-per-view. So I get it. And maybe it's like, we can't be too harsh. It's one pay-per-view. There was a 60-minute Ironman match as the main event. Why why get bugged out about one? But it's just, it's a, it's, the women's matches are always the ones on the chopping block first. Okay? It's like anything else will get ranked priority above the women's matches. And that has become clear. That has become the trend. That is not even a trend. It is the standard. It is their, their tradition. And it's just, they can give me butt and guts. They could give me all kinds of things. Heck, at this point, they could give us tag team belts for the women. And I wouldn't be convinced that it meant anything beyond lip service. Because consistency-wise, what they are consistent about is undercutting the women at whenever they have to, whenever they are pressed into a corner for time, whatever. They, that's just what they do. And it's that is the one consistent thing that they do with the women's division is keep it from being more present than it has been. I think their best women's matches have been on dark. Yeah. I mean, they've had really good women's, they've had really stellar work for them from their women um, consistently for the last two years. Anyone who that you've noticed that it has stopped. The conversation has definitely drifted away from, Oh, well, the roster needs development. That, that, that ship has sailed. We can no longer claim that this is a roster that needs development. This is a roster that needs freaking time and they are not given it. And they're just, like, on Rampage, it's a squatch match pretty much every week, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is such a longer conversation and such a bigger deal problem, but, like, not doing much with Jade beyond squash matches got gets gets routine. And mm-hmm. even when she is pushed, they're... Uh, I don't want to say this because I like I got to be honest about Jade because I I think that she's a stellar talent and she is someone who is like growing leaps and bounds every month of her work. But she still has a ceiling to what she can do in the ring. And that puts a ceiling on what the TBS title belt can do as far as title matchups. And that will change. But it needs to change hands first because Jade needs more development, too. I mean, I think if you put someone like super athletic in the ring with her. You can do some cool stuff like like what um the Sky Blue match I thought was very good mm-hmm. because like Sky Blue is so athletic that she made you know Jade you know look powerful because of the way she she would be able to like flip whenever Jade was doing the moves and stuff like that. So I mean I might just be like finding the good matchups for her too. Yeah, but I do think at this point um they have found a lot of good matchups for her and they've gotten as the best they've gotten as much the you know high quality of jade that they can get mm-hmm. um and she can deliver with the right opponents and the right opponents can can sell her even more so 
but the storyline has gotten stale and there's only so much you can do once your storyline has hit a obvious like stalling point and it doesn't her we need more for sky blue she's really good because she is really good, but we need more for there's so many women we need who are more for everybody. We need more for everybody. We need more for people like Riho and and Sheeta and like we need more for and we need Nyla and we need we need more period because we have lots of women who have been on deck waiting for m- more story, more to do, and they will keep waiting until there is more time given. We need time. That's that's the thing. We need TV time. Our return to pay-per-view is May 28th for Double or Nothing. Last year's Double or Nothing had three women's matches on a 13-match card, including the finals of the Owen Hart Cup. So there's another um, possibility thrown into the mix heading into the spring. Will we have blood and guts? If so, when? Will there be another Owen Hart Cup? If so, how will that work itself out on TV? Will that lead to more screen time for certain women or a chance to elevate a mid-carder to uh, a main event talent in that sense. I mean, if we do have like an Owen Hart club um, cup, I don't know if you would go like the safe route and have like Jay take it, or if you would want to like elevate someone like, um like sky blue and like, just, I mean, her winning like a tournament like that would boost her tremendously. It would be really cool to see it go the opposite way and like highlight somebody who was, you know, on the app, on, on the rising app, not someone established. But I have a feeling that that's not what they will do. It would be like Jade. <laughs> or like someone involved in the current story with the with the factions, like one of those ladies. I don't know. I don't know. So much depends on them being willing to follow through and build this story beyond the, you know, five people currently involved. I mean, if they have announced blood and guts for the women's division and it's like Britt, Jamie and Rebel versus Soraya, Tony and Ruby, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I'm going to be incredibly pissed. I mean, we love Rebel, but... No, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Not, that's, that's not even my point. Like, she could be third and then two more women, but like, again, if it's just basically a glorified... Uh, you know, six-person match, a six-man match. I'm, I, I'm out. I'm, I'm not. No, that's not. That's not blood and guts. That's, that's a, that's a very yeah. quiet. Yeah. Alright, that is our show. Thank you for listening, folks. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. If you support us on Patreon, $1 a month gets you a weekly newsletter every Monday. $5 a month gets you bonus podcasts like Women's Wrestling Entertainment, where we trace the history of the WWE Women's Division, Grit Glitter and Glow, where Emma and Val Quartz rewatch the Netflix series Glow. Maybe some other stuff in the future, if Don or other people get some... Uh, some ideas for stuff they want to do? Yeah. The idea was always to, like, have a sky's limit type of situation with our Patreon. So as we as we break in our new team members and really get a sense of what everyone's into and what they want to do, who knows what else could pop up on our Patreon. That's it for this week. Next week on the show, I don't know. We don't really have anything planned for next week yet. Uh-oh. Well, we'll, we'll think of something. 
So it's a, it's a big wide world of women's wrestling out there. Maybe there's no wrestling happening this week. None. No nights. There's like, no, there's like absolutely everyone just decided to take the week off. Yeah, wrestling when season is over, and then it starts again in a couple of months. Guys, wouldn't that be fun? Then can we can we advocate for that? Maybe just everyone take a week off. You know, give these poor wrestlers a little break for their bodies. Give everybody just a little time to reset. I have so much to catch up on. New Japan Cup just started. I'm still finishing Revolution. Got tons of indie shows that I need to watch. Friends, let's take a week. Let's take a month off. 